0: Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. We're in a series called What Every Christian Should Know, and we're looking at the 10 core beliefs of historic Christianity. And today we've come to the study of what theologians call homardiology, the study of sin. And you're going to hear me say this several times. What you believe about sin determines what you believe about salvation.
1: Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Most people, even Christians, don't like to talk about sin. In doing so, we admit our shortcomings and come face to face with our fallen nature. But in order to be saved, we must first understand why we need salvation. Today on Pathway to Victory... Dr. Robert Jeffress explains why every person needs God's forgiveness. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory.
0: Yes, I've adapted to the world of cell phones. Like you, I also carry a mobile device. And, like most of you, I've found that cell phones don't satisfy everything. For example, I often prefer to do my own devotional reading from printed material, not a screen. Well, by now, I hope you know about Pathway Magazine because thousands of our friends are enjoying this exclusive periodical from Pathway to Victory. It's printed in a convenient size and comes directly to your home. And Pathway Magazine includes daily devotional thoughts from me, as well as relevant articles about living the Christian life. You can sign up to have Pathway Magazine sent to your home by going to ptv.org. As your radio pastor, I've had the privilege of writing and supplying our listening family with a wide variety of books, but I've never been more excited to send you my latest book. It's already a bestseller that I've titled, What Every Christian Should Know. The subtitle is, Ten Core Beliefs for Standing Strong in a Shifting World. My new book will help you understand exactly what the Bible teaches about ten core doctrines so that you can remain true to biblical theology. And a hardbound copy is yours when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. We'll say more about my book and other resources later in today's program. But right now, let's give our full attention to Romans chapter 5. I titled this next message in our teaching series, What Every Christian Should Know About Sin. Now, I wanted to divide up today's message in a way that perhaps you'll remember. We're going to first of all look at the way we were, the way things used to be in God's plan. Then we're going to talk about the way it ended, and now the way it is for each one of us, And then we're going to end on a note of hope about the way it can be. Now, let's look, first of all, at the way we were. In the first two chapters of Genesis, you see God's creation. Everything was imbalanced between man and nature and God. How did it end? Genesis chapter 3. Here's how it all happened. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And so he said to the woman, indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from the tree of the garden. And the woman affirmed that. Yes, that's what he said. You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Then the serpent said, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. First of all, he causes the woman to doubt God's word. He's successful in doing it in verse six says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and it was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. And in Romans five verse 12, we find the result of Adam and Eve's sin. Therefore, just as through one man, Adam, sin entered into the world and death through sin, And so death spread to all men because all sinned. This is how sin entered the world. It came through Adam, the Bible says. When Adam sinned, we all sinned. We all have inherited that defective operating system, if you will. When God says yes, our first instinct is to say no. When God says no, our first instinct is to say yes. We are born at odds with God because we all sinned. In Adam, we were held accountable for our sin. Now, you know what people say to that? That's not fair that I'd be held accountable for what Adam and Eve did. Because if I had been in the garden, I wouldn't have made that same choice that Adam and Eve did. Really? Isn't it interesting even as Christians, how many times we rebel against God, not just every day, but every hour of every day. We say no to God. Now, other people say it's just unfair. It's unfair because of one person's sin, everybody should be counted as guilty. That's just not fair. Paul has an answer to that so-called unfairness. In Romans 5, 16 to 17, he said, if you want to see something more unfair than that, just think about Jesus Christ. The only thing more unfair than all people being held guilty for one man's sin is for Everybody's sin to cause one innocent man to be found guilty. The only thing more unfair than being held responsible for Adam's sin is to be made forgiven by Christ's righteousness. That's what he's saying in verses 16 and 17. For the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, Adam. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from the one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. Now get this, verse 17. For if by the transgression of the one, that is sin, death reigned through the one, Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign through Jesus Christ. You know, you don't have to do anything to inherit Adam's sin. You just have to be born. This is the picture of how sin entered the world, how we became separated from God. Remember what I said? What you believe about sin determines what you believe about salvation. There are many people, even Christians, who believe, well, sin... You know, that's not that big of a deal. Sure, we're all flawed. We're not as good as we can be. We're not perfect. That's not what God says. The Bible says we're not just defective or diseased. We are spiritually dead. And because of that, we need a radical solution to our problem. Let me show you just how bad it is. The way it is because of the way it ended. What is the spiritual condition of every person who's ever lived? Look at Romans 3, verses 10 through 12. Paul says, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is not one who does good, not even one. Paul uses the phrase, no one, none, six times in three verses. He's talking about the utter depravity of the human race. Again, we have trouble with this because we say, well, you know, there's a great difference in human beings. Yes, on page six of the newspaper, we read about a man who murdered his three small children and his wife. But then we turn to page seven, and here's a fireman who heroically saved a group of children from a burning building. There's a great difference between human beings. That difference between human beings is considerable, but in God's eyes, it's negligible. Let me illustrate that for you. Uh, If you go to New York City and walk the streets of Manhattan, you'll notice different sizes of buildings, some one-story structures, some multi-story structures, where skyscrapers over a hundred stories high. When we used to go to New York every Christmas, we'd get in on Christmas night late and would make a beeline to Times Square to the McDonald's there because it was the only restaurant open on Christmas night. And it was a massive two-story McDonald's, biggest I've ever seen. But Looking down from outer space, if you were to look down on Manhattan, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between that two-story McDonald's and a hundred-story Empire State Building. Because from space, looking down, they all look the very same. That's how God views us. The difference between human beings from our limited perspective is considerable. From God's perspective, it's negligible. Not one righteous. Secondly, there's nobody who understands there's no one who understands the things of God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.14, a natural man doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. I see this every time we go to Israel. If you've ever been to Israel, you know you'll get assigned an Israeli guide who knows all of the places and the history. And he talks about the history and I talk about the spiritual aspects. But what you know about those Jewish guides is they know the Bible, including the New Testament, better than most Christians or most pastors. They can recite the Scripture backwards and forwards. They have an intellectual understanding, but they've never received the gospel of Jesus Christ because to them it's foolishness. The smartest people in the world stumble over the gospel because they're natural. They do not understand. it. And then thirdly, there's no one who seeks for God, Paul said. There's none who seeks for God. Now, if ever the Bible is wrong, surely it's here. Pastor, how can you say nobody seeks for God? People everywhere are searching for God. There are thousands of religions in the world. That is a proof of people searching for God. It's a proof of man's inherent righteousness, right? Now, what the Bible says, the fact that there are many religions, many approaches to God is not a sign of man's righteousness, but a sign of his unrighteousness. Romans 1 says every person has been given an instinctive knowledge of the one true God. But when they reject that knowledge, they create their own gods. Gods to their liking that they can follow after. It's like one wag said, in the beginning, God created man in his image. And since that time, man has tried to return the favor we try to create the kind of God we want. There's none who seeks for the true God. You say, well, if that's true, nobody righteous, nobody can understand the gospel, nobody's seeking for God, how does anyone ever get saved? We're going to talk about that next time, but it's only by the grace of God. John 6, says, nobody can come to me, Jesus said, unless the Father who sent me draws him. What does all this mean about our human condition? Let me Get it down to where it affects you and me. Tip O'Neill said one time, all politics is local, so is all theology. What does it mean to me? The fact that I am utterly depraved and I am unrighteous before God leaves us with a problem. First of all, on one hand, we have a holy God. The Bible describes God, Isaiah 6, 3, as holy, holy, holy. That word means separate, different, a cut above. God is a cut above. He is different from all of his creation, he has no sin in him. Habakkuk 113 says about God, for your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. Now let's be honest, sometimes we think, what's the big deal about sin with God? Why does he get so exercised over sin? Why can't he chill out a little bit? Why can't he be more loving and forgiving as I can? I mean, I can tolerate sinners, why can't he? Again, our tolerance for sin is no mark of righteousness. It's because we're unrighteous. We're sinners. We don't mind hanging around sin. In fact, in some ways, we feel more comfortable around sinners. God's not like we are. He can't turn the other way. He cannot allow sin to go unjudged. He cannot look on wickedness with favor. And that means a holy God, sinful man, there is a great chasm, a separation between God and us. Again, Isaiah talked about that in Isaiah six fifty nine verse 2. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. There's this chasm, this separation between God and us. Now, again, we try to write that off. We'll say, okay, I admit I'm not perfect. I'm not as close to God as the apostles, Peter and James and John, I'm not as close as Jesus' mother, Mary, or even maybe St. Teresa. Uh, I'm just not that close, but I'm not as bad as these other people over here. Again, it's an illusion. We don't recognize how vast that gulf is between God and us. Have you ever been to the Grand Canyon before? You know, There's the South Rim and the North Rim of the Grand Canyon separated by more than 20 miles. Just imagine for a moment, all of humanity is gathered on the South Rim of the Grand Canyon. And they want to get to the North Rim and they see this vast gulf. And they say, well, we'll try to jump over the canyon to reach the North Rim. And so the first group to try is Adolf Hitler, Charles Manson, Osama bin Laden, it's their turn to jump. And they make it about six inches, and they fall to the bottom of the canyon. And then there's another group. Every godly pastor or priest you've ever known, and the saints of old, and they take a running leap, and they make it three feet, and they fall into the chasm. And then you've got the apostles, and they're all together, and they run and jump, and they make it 10 feet out, and they fall to the bottom. Now, there's a measurable difference between how far they jumped, but compared to 20 miles, it's negligible. It's inconsequential. That's what Paul meant when he said in Romans three twenty three, for all have sinned, and all fall short of the glory of God. What does this all mean? It means only God is capable of spanning that chasm between a holy God and a sinful man. Again, going back to Alexander Pope, to err is human, to forgive is divine. Forgiveness is a part of the heart of God. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, he sent Christ to die for us. And you see that heart of forgiveness in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 3, verse 7, after Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They felt that guilt immediately. And their first instinct was to cover over it themselves. They sewed together fig leaves to try to hide their nakedness. It didn't do the job. They still felt guilty, and so they went and they hid from God. There's nothing we can do to cover our guilt. No matter what we do to cover over our guilt, there's always a draft blowing that we feel. We always feel the guilt. And so what happened? God met them in the garden in verse 21 of chapter 3 says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Did you know this is the very first death in human history when God killed an animal to take the skin and to cover Adam and Eve? He was teaching all of us two important lessons. First of all, only God can provide a covering for man's sin. And secondly, that covering involves something innocent, dying for something guilty. It was a picture of, of what the Lord Jesus Christ would do for us one day. After Adam and Eve, you had the sacrificial system under Moses, where there was a continual reminder of the need for something innocent, to die for the guilty, for God to provide the sacrifice. Those Old Testament sacrifices, they were important, but they were limited, they were perpetual, they had to keep being offered year after year. They were offered by sinful priests who had to make an atonement for their own sins before they could offer a sacrifice for others' sins. And they offered only temporary reconciliation with God, which would be almost immediately broken by further sin. It was all pointing to that once-for-all sacrifice that Jesus, the Lamb of God, would make for us and offer us eternal redemption. Jesus' death on the cross... Removed the penalty of sin. It removed the power of sin. For Christians, we no longer have to sin. We no longer have any more obligation to sin than we think we have. We've been saved from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, but the presence of sin is still with us. It's still here. Make no mistake about it, that master magician, the ultimate deceiver, Satan, still slithers up to us lies to us, causes us to doubt the character of God and the Word of God. And I see that happening in so many places. You know, one of the things that uh, is very destructive right now in our culture is what's called the deconstruction of Christian faith. Uh, Julia had a podcast about this, deconstructionism. And it sounds good. The deconstructionists say, those of you who are Christians, you need to understand that Christianity has been weighed down by certain barnacles, by certain parasites, uh, certain prejudices and, and cultural beliefs that have distorted the true Christian message. And you need to slice all of that away and get back to the original Christianity. Now, that sounds good. The only problem with that is it's kind of like peeling an onion. You can keep peeling and peeling and peeling till you end up with Nothing. Deconstructionism takes many different forms. It will say to some young adult Christians, well, you know, Jesus never actually claimed to be the Messiah. Those claims were added by power hungry leaders hundreds of years after his death. Others say, we can't know the original words of Scripture because they've been corrupted by church leaders to reflect their own cultural prejudices or any belief system that marginalizes certain groups of people like the LGBTQ community, that can't be from the heart of a loving God who doesn't judge anybody. Or God loves you and wants you more than anything to be happy. He doesn't want you to be a prisoner to some antiquated systems of rules that have no relationship to our culture. The devil's goal is the same as it was in the Garden of Eden to cause static in the transmission of God's word to us, so that we're deceived into following the lies of Satan. You know, outside of the Bible, I think the most vivid description in literature of the power and reality of sin is found in Edgar Allan Poe's short story, The Tell-Tale Heart. Do you remember that, studying that in school? It was a short story about a man who thought he had committed the perfect murder, he took the corpse of the old man he had murdered and hid it under the floorboards of his house and thought he had gotten away with murder. One small problem. He kept hearing the faint beating of a human heart. At first, it didn't bother him. The police came. The beating heart didn't bother him at first. He was able to ignore him, but that beating got louder and louder and louder until that heartbeat drove him to madness and the confession. Every one of us, whether we're Christians or non-Christians, we had that realization of our guilt, our sin. It's not through a beating human heart. It's the beating of God's Holy Spirit. He keeps reminding us we have sinned, we have sinned, we have sinned. The purpose of God's Holy Spirit, His relentless beating, is not to drive us to madness, it's to drive us to confession and God's forgiveness. That's the truth about sin. The silent voice you hear is often God's Holy Spirit, convicting you of your sin and inviting you to receive God's forgiveness. My hope is that you will take this step today and, through confession, walk into the loving embrace of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Earlier, I described a book that I've written to help you. It includes an entire chapter on the subject we address today. My new book is called What Every Christian Should Know, Ten Core Beliefs for Standing Strong in a Shifting World. It's the perfect next step in your walk with God. And you can request your copy right now when you include a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory. Then, let me invite you to become one of our valued Pathway partners. This growing circle of friends has become a source of tremendous encouragement to me, because together we're able to touch lives all across the country and around the world through their monthly support of Pathway to Victory. Not long ago, I received a note from Michelle in Virginia who told me, Dr. Jeffress, I'm struggling with some issues in my family right now, and Pathway to Victory keeps my spirit up and reminds me that God is in control. The only way through the trauma in my family is through Christ our Lord. Thank you so much for making this available to me every day on the radio and TV. Pathway to Victory has given me hope. I really need this ministry. Well, friends, when you give a generous gift to Pathway to Victory, and when you agree to become one of our Pathway partners, you're reaching men and women just like Michelle, who rely on this program as a beacon of light in the darkness. Thanks so much for your support. David?
1: Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. You're invited to request a copy of the brand-new book, What Every Christian Should Know when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory or when you sign up to become a Pathway partner. Call us at 866-999-2965 or visit our website, ptv.org. Now, when you give an especially generous gift of $75 or more, we'll also include the complete What Every Christian Should Know teaching series on audio and video discs Plus, a study guide to use for personal or group study. Call 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. You could also send your request by mail. Write to P.O. Box two twenty three six zero nine Dallas, Texas, 75222. One more time, that's P.O. Box two twenty three six zero nine Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Inviting you to join us next time for a message called What Every Christian Should Know About Salvation. That's Friday, here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. Join Dr. Robert Jeffress on an unforgettable trip to Israel. You've read about places like the Mount of Olives and the Plain of Megiddo. Isn't it time to see these remarkable sites for yourself? Join us on the Pathway to Victory Bible Prophecy Tour of Israel, April 25th through May 5th, 2023. To learn more and to reserve your spot, go to ptv.org.